Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. This morning's scripture reading will be taken from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. If you would like to find it in your pew Bible, that will be on page 1,827-1827. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You may be seated. That was a little change in scripture reading from what you had uh, as far as listed in your handout. That's because of the change of speaker from what's listed in your handout this morning. I am glad to be with you. If I were to ask you the most important verse in the Bible, I want you to think about that a second. Okay, if you, I, well, you got one shot at this. What is the most important verse in the Bible? And uh, you could very well come up with an answer. Uh, if I pushed it, if I pressed you, if you were in my class, then you might say, well, it would be this, or it is this. Uh, we have a problem there, though. As was just read, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, beginning that verse, we have a little issue. All scripture, all scripture, all scripture. So to pick out one, to say this is one is more, now that, that's, that's more important. Now I will say I have taught classes in the past, and I will go on to say, in your Bible, and I hope each of you have your Bible with you this morning, uh, I'll try to keep you up, it'll not only be in front of you, but I'll have the page number, if you'd like to use a pew Bible, you might can get to the scriptures a little quicker. I have said before that I pay special attention to the words in red. And you would say, or might, and justifiably so, Gary, you just read, it doesn't matter if Jesus said it or if Paul said it or if John said it or Luke said it, it's important. And that is true without a doubt. It is all inspired. So I don't know that we could answer affirmatively that this is the most important verse in the Bible. I've often said it, when I preach, uh, there goes lots of difficulties, my nerves, my anxiety, my fear of what I might or might not say that would be correct. But I have said that one of the greatest challenges that any teacher or minister has when he stands before a group is what to say that is going to be pertinent at that time 
to whatever group of people you're speaking with. The last few sermons that I've spoken have had a great deal to do with evangelism. I had a target, I, I, I had a focus in mind that I wanted to say without a shadow of a doubt, what you need is Jesus. And here's what you need to do to become a Christian. And if you could remember or go back and get a tape, I doubt that you would remember my last sermon, there was, I left very little on the table. No one could have left here that was there that day without saying, well, now what did Gary exactly mean about baptism? What did Gary mean about, I left very little on the table. I will not say this morning that I have an answer on what is the most important scripture in the Bible. But what I can say is, and I speak for myself, that from day to day, from week to week, from circumstance to circumstance, What's the most pertinent scripture in the Bible? What scripture do I need today to get me through the day? And I dare say that everyone here familiar with the Bible will understand that depending on our circumstances, that scripture, that go-to, when you open your Bible that morning and you're searching and you're reading, Depending on the circumstances you've lived through the day or the night, it could change. What you need this morning and what I need this morning may be different than what we needed yesterday morning. What Peggy Henderson's family needs today may be different than what they needed last week. So the difficulty in choosing when you speak to a group of people, when you choose a topic, and we say, I choose to speak this morning on. Oh, there's the hard part. What do you need? What do I need? What is my priority? Evangelism, edification, reproof, rebuke. Gary, your choice as of about seven o'clock, your choice. Actually, my class will tell you Wednesday, as of Wednesday night, I knew what I was gonna preach on, not today, but the next opportunity that I had to speak to the assembly. Because I, in the last year, in the last month, have gotten a new go-to scripture. Some, a, a verse, two verses, that I know desperately that I need. That I know desperately in times of trouble, in times of trial, in times of lack of understanding, Gary, this go right here and I would like to share this morning 
some verses, first of all, that I was given. Because a couple of years ago, I asked the class, it was a Semper Fi class, Doug's class, I was given the privilege of teaching the class, and beforehand, I'm struggling with, naturally, what would be a good fit. So I send a note out to each class member and ask, if you had one lesson to teach, if you had one verse, what would that verse be? What would you want to hear taught? What, where is that go-to verse that you have? So I received back several verses, and I'd like to share some with you, and they are in no particular order. But these, these are verses that from the individual's perspective of where they were in their life at that particular time, that, Gary, this verse is where I go. John 3, verses 3 through 5, and it's on page 1639 of your pew Bible. I'll take just a moment and let you turn to it if you'd like to. Page 1639 of your pew Bible. It's John 3, 3 through 5. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he got not see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We're looking at a physical birth versus a spiritual birth. Whoever turned this uh, scripture in, whomever, had indications, Gary, it's not the physical birth that we should be concerned about. It should be the spiritual birth that we should be concerned about. John 3.16, that would have probably made your list. It made many. There were duplicate answers. John 3, 16, verse 17. And it's on page 1639. You don't have to go anywhere. Just continue to read. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son in the world or condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You have any idea how much God loves you? You know, I had an interesting conversation with one of my daughters last week. She was somewhat humbled by one of the children, which would be one of my grandchildren, there was an expert, they were talking about the death of Christ. They were talking about the crucifixion. They were going through the story. And one of my daughters told, there was a question, and she said, you understand something, that if you were the only person Christ would have died for you. And that little child and all said, just for me? See, God's love that he has for me has little or no relevance maybe as far as where you're concerned, you have to understand, and I wish I could impress upon you in some way, form, or fashion, the amount of God's love that he has for each and every person in this auditorium or person that is listening to us. And by the way, for people that aren't listening to us. John 13, 34 and 35, page 1663. 
A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have one for another. Whoever turned this in had to be impressed with the idea about what love for individuals means. Do you know how the world will... I didn't write this. I'm just reading it. Do you know how the world will know if you are a disciple of Christ? Do you know? Well, no, I don't know. Yes, you do know. I just read it. You can know how the world will know that you're a Christian. John 14, 6, page 1664. You don't have to go far either. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have an advocate. Jesus Christ is our, that's how we get to the Father. I'm not sure what personal relationship you share with Jesus. Sometimes that makes Church of Christ nervous a personal relationship with our lord you should have a personal relationship with jesus that's how you get to the father when we pray is it by accident we pray in jesus name not at all and by the way as we've studied in our wednesday night class if you ask who you will be judged by, uh, be careful when you say, God is my judge. I've heard people say, that God is my judge. Ooh, be careful about that. You better study that a little farther. No one comes to the Father except through me. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 was turned in twice. For I delivered to you first of all, which I also received, that Christ died, and that's on page 1770 if you're using your pew Bible. For I delivered to you first of all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he arose, and on the third day, and he arose again the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus Christ died for our sins. Dying is one thing, but a lot of people died as martyrs. He was risen. He arose. And that's what we bank on. If Jesus still is still in the grave, then we're in trouble. But he is not. Second Corinthians 5, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come new. This is a new year. We're two weeks into it. We like new year. We like starting over. And I think the individual that might have turned this scripture in was saying, that new life is what means the most to me. If you can look back the day you were baptized, the day you became a Christian, the day, how, how joyful it was. I'm brand new. You can be brand new today. 
Now, your choice. What's your go-to verse? And is it different today than yesterday? Would it be different today than a year ago? And I dare say mine changes. It has changed. When I taught this lesson or when I was preparing to teach this lesson a couple of years ago, it has nothing to do with the verse I'm going to direct you to today. Not one, not even close. The verse that I was going to teach that day, the most important verse in the Bible, okay, I know what to do, but what I want to try to understand is that unpardonable sin. If I want to understand one verse in the Bible, somebody teach me the unpardonable sin because that's the one thing I know I need. I need to understand what that is so that I'm not guilty of it. But you know, trying to understand that unpardonable sin is not going to keep me faithful. That's not what's going to keep me faithful. And the older I get, I, the older I get, I have but one concern. That as many people as can possibly that we can imagine that everyone become a member of the Lord's church and everyone be faithful. That's it. Gary, what do you care about? That is basically it. Gary, what do you want for your children? I want them to be faithful. Gary, what do you want for your grandchildren? I want you to be Christians and I want you to be faithful. Oh, I want you to excel at this and I want you to excel at this and I want you to, I have all kinds of hopes and dreams and aspirations, but when you get right down to it, the older I get, that's it. So as I stand before you today, my question would be, as for me, what is that one verse that maybe at some point in time we would all need? Listen to me. I have made a judgment that at some point in time in your life, in your circumstance, in my life, in my circumstances, there are two verses that you're going to need. Not every day, and it may not be today. But I promise you, if you live long enough, young people, you will need. So what is your go-to passage? When things don't make sense. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven items I want to show you. We've been studying the New Testament, and we're going to conclude this coming Wednesday night, we're going to get through Jude. We're, all, we're almost there on my Wednesday night class. And there, there, there are challenges when you study. There are challenges when you read. Now, the upside is way higher than the downside. 
my favorite Bible character, lest you must say other than Jesus, Moses. Whew, what a journey that he didn't even ask for. He didn't get to go. I never have understood that really. Uzzah had a reaction. Oh man, but just trying to keep it from falling. You know, Hezekiah, now this is a little bit more than what you'll want to know. Hezekiah was granted, and I believe I have this right, 15 years of life. If you'll do some study about Hezekiah, in that third year after he was granted 15 more years, one of the worst men that was ever born was born. I never had ever understood that. Lord, you let him live, and then three years later, if he had died when he was supposed to, Messiah, Manasseh, would have never been born. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Never did understand that. You want to let the people go and you tell Moses. Now Moses says, I'm going to, you go tell, this is what's going to happen, but I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. How many of you can explain to me that we're trying to let the people go, but I'm going to harden his heart so he doesn't? Hard for me to understand. When bad things happen to good people. Hard for me to understand. When, when good things happen to bad people, hard for me to understand. And when that one prayer is not answered that you want so desperately, that one prayer that you wanted answered so desperately is either not been answered or answered in a way that is different than what you had pleaded for. When you just don't understand it, you just can't make sense of it all. That's a terrible temptation. Paul said, I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. Paul's conversion, Paul's conversion was the easy part. However so dramatic, but when his life began, things didn't become easier. Shipwrecked, stoned, beaten. But he said, I kept the faith. Do you think that Paul understood every bit along the way why things were happening to him? I doubt it. And I've dared to say that through our lives, I doubt that we have a grasp of why everything happens the way they happen. Hold on just a minute. Josh, hold on just a minute. If you'd asked me two years ago, Gary, what could you do? What, what do you need to keep you faithful? Well, I need to understand the love of God more. I need to understand hell more. 
I need to understand heaven more. I need to be able to rationalize this. I need this. Maybe two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, that's what I would have said. It's not what I say this morning. As humbly as I know how, the following two verses is what I share with you today that at the end of the day, I have to understand. Proverbs 3 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, see, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. My go-to verses. I don't know. Trust in the Lord, Gary, and lean not on your own understanding. And some days, folks, that's all we got. Some days, that's all we got. Circumstances around us, our world is falling apart. We would make one judgment over another judgment and we don't understand why this is happening. We read this scripture and we can't match it to that scripture and we don't understand why the two don't, they contradict one another. No, they don't. Gary, trust in the Lord, not on your own understanding. There's a good example. If you look at 2 Kings, and you may not be able to read it up there, so I'll ask you to turn to it. It's on page 574 of your pew Bible. It's 2 Kings 5, 9 through 14. It's a familiar passage, but it's an example of trying to understand and trying to rationalize our expectation about what should happen. Listen, then Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious, Naaman became furious because furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will sure, what made him mad first? Elisha didn't even come out. What was his expectation? He will surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord. This is what he should have done. And wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Well, I'm sorry that your expectations were not met. I am sorry that your plan was not God's plan. And then the only ones with any sense here, his servants, 
And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Elisha didn't even come out. Naaman Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. That was the message. How many of you think he would have been healed if he hadn't gone to the Jordan and dipped seven times? Trust in the Lord and not on your own understanding. You know, there's a lot of things I don't understand. And one of the, I guess, I don't have to explain. And I want you to turn to Acts 2.37 Acts through 2.39. It's page 1681. You know, Peter was asked a simple question on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't a hard question, I guess, because he knew the answer. Now, when they heard this, now they, we're talking about the individuals that had just crucified the living Lord. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. I do not understand why he didn't say a number of things. I do not understand why Peter's message wasn't, a thousand different ones. I do know what he said was, repent and be baptized every one of you. That is the answer to your question. What must we do now? That same question is the answer for us today if you have not done that. And no, I don't know what, why baptism was picked. I can tell you all the answers about the semblance that it has with the burial and the death and the resurrection. I can give you all the uh, why. I'd, but you know, I don't have to. It's not my understanding or my preaching or my teaching that you need to understand. It's the Lord's. And yield to it. Once again, I want you to look at Proverbs 3, once again, Proverbs 3, 5. You're looking at it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That, would be, that sometimes, folks, is my greatest challenge. I want everything to match. I want to try to understand. And I've learned in this past year of study in our Wednesday night class that Gary doesn't always... It doesn't all, I haven't come up with some answers. And I can take a deep breath and put my trust in the one that does have the answers. Today we're going to sing the invitation song and it's page 943. Do you know my Jesus? 
And that's taken from, if you look in our psalm book, if you were looking at it, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This morning, there is a haven of rest for you. I can't tell you how God works in all the circumstances that he works, but I do, do know that he works in your life and he works in mine. And he has promised rest. He's given you the blueprint. And that would be your relationship with him and his son. And I ask you, dare ask you today, are you a member of the Lord's church? Have you repented of your sins? Have you been baptized and become a member of that church? And if not, why not? Well, Gary, tell me again now exactly why I should do that. You should do it before the Lord commanded you to do it. Not because you can rationalize what the water is and what the symbol is. And I promise you, I promise you that prayer is real, that God hears you, that he can give you rest from your burdens. And if you have those burdens today and we can pray for you, I ask you that if you can come forward today and express that need, then there could be a burden lifting from your shoulder that you would never know. If you have burdens and would like them to be lifted, Please respond as we stand and sing. If you don't know the Lord is your Savior, please, today, make this the day you come.